saying of God's presence in this place, we light the candle to have that visual symbol that Christ is here among us as we worship him this day. Amen. Please be seated. couple of announcements for this morning as we gather in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, there will be a short church council meeting after the service today just to deal with one very quick piece of business um, and we'll do that real quick but our next scheduled meeting is for the 23rd and prayer meetings will continue tonight at 7 p.m. so you're welcome to come and join us. And also today is kind of our collection Sunday for food bank and for the Northside schools so um, the food bank prefers uh, monetary donations, but we've got the list of things that we collect for the schools. And so that we do that the first Sunday of every month. I know that the schools especially appreciate that what we give them and are so thankful. So thank you for everybody who supports and of course the food bank is such a busy, busy place these days. Just drive by on a Thursday and see the lineup at the door for the whole three hours or four hours, however long it's open, it's just packed. Any other announcements to share today? Let's join together in a responsive psalm from Psalm my God, for I long for you from the early morning. My whole being desires you like a dry, worn, waterless land. My soul thirsts for you. give thanks as long as I live I will raise my hands in prayer my soul will feast and be filled and I will sing and praise you my soul is thirsting for you oh God my God as I lie in bed I remember you oh God I think of you all night long for you are my constant help
Lord, your presence among us causes us to celebrate your greatness. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to worship you. Be with us as we seek to grow in our faith and draw closer to you through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our opening hymn is Come, Let Us Sing. Good morning. Our reading today is from 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 to 19. The printing is small, so I'm going to look down a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. But goodness with contentment is great gain, for we are brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But we will have food and clothing. We will be contented with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and are trapped into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life 
to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who will, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this commandment without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and holy ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is, Im is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him to be honored and might forever, amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, and which in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides with us everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do so good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up their treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Word of the Lord.
Lord, we gather today to serve you best of all, to come and be obedient and sharing and loving as you are sharing and loving with us. So Lord, as we gather around your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. 68 million dollars. What would you do with $68 million? $68 million was the gold ball jackpot for Lotto 649 a few weeks ago. I will confess I almost, almost bought a ticket. <laughs> Except I was out in the woods on my little retreat, sick, and I didn't want to drag myself into the store to pick one up. $68 million is a lot of dollars. I was out for a walk one day, and I thought, well, how could I spend that kind of money? If you set aside, you know, a couple million for the kids, you know, when they're kind of settled out of college. Help out, you know, closest family. Set aside, you know, ten or so for retirement, you know, so to speak. You know, I estimated, well, that might use about maybe half of it, if I'm really generous. So what to do with the other 30 million or so? I thought, well, we really need an indoor track and field facility around here, so I could put some money up for that, you know. I could probably put 20 million up for that. That would pay about half of us if I was feeling really generous. Oh, and other people would be invested as well, of course. But then there's the huge needs in our area, you know, addiction and housing, and so much of it is poverty-related. So I thought maybe the rest of it, you could set up a, a business or an organization to take care of some of those issues in Cape Breton, somehow. So there, I think I was able to spend $68 million. Then it kind of hit me as I'm walking, thinking about this, if I won that kind of money, I'd have to give up preaching. I mean, I think a key part of preaching is to be able to walk the walk, not just only with Jesus, but with the people you're trying to serve in the community. So if you've got millions in the bank, how do you effectively walk with people, and genuinely hear their needs. I'm not totally convinced someone can, which made me think some more. There was a brief period of time when I admired the owner of Tesla. I don't want to really say his name, and the reason why is because he's, I believe he's become completely corrupt by his wealth, his incredible wealth. There was a time when I felt he was leading companies where he had the opportunity to change the world in a positive way. He was creating electric cars that were innovative and new and thinking out of the box. The company had incredible options for battery and power systems that could help, could help us change how we use and restore electricity and other technology to, that, that would help 
limit the human impact on the coming climate crisis? Just to name a couple of things he had going on. But then he became the richest man in the world for a period of time. And it's been since been revealed that he is a complete egomaniac with no interest in helping anyone but himself. Now you might think, wow, the, the press was really hard on this guy, if that's what they're saying, but no, it's coming right out of his mouth and the things he's sharing on social media. Now he's probably not the only billionaire with these issues, but he's currently the one that seems to be in the news the most. Now I don't know if my plan for $68 million would make me end up like him, I hope not. But there's probably a time when he thought he wouldn't end up like the others. And then it happened and he may not even realize it. Think about this for a moment. He is worth $173 billion with a B. Billion dollars. $173 billion. If he gave everybody on the planet $10, he would still have $100 billion to his name. That would be like me saying, hey, I want $100,000. I'm going to give you all a buck or $10. <laughs> like taking $400 out of my $100,000 is, is, is nothing, right? So taking $70 billion out of $170 billion is not going to have much impact on his life at all. It just kind of boggles your mind how much money that really is. To put it another way, if he gave me $1 million every day for the rest of my life, $1 million every day for the rest of my life, assuming I lived to be about 80, it would cost him $11 billion, which is less than 6% of his total wealth. It's crazy. The numbers are just mind-boggling. Just You don't know what to do with it. How can someone have that much money? It's a lot to think about when you turn to a reading from, from Timothy. And we find ourselves in chapter 6 today. Paul says in there, There is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. Paul is right. We come into the world with nothing. We're just naked and screaming. And hopefully, hopefully we don't leave the world that way. <laughs> but Paul brings up an interesting thought. We bring nothing into the world, and we, we're not able to take anything with it when we go. It's just not possible. So what do we do? What do we need? Paul suggests all we need are food and clothing. And we'll be content. And he's right. I mean, I would add housing to that. But for the most part, he says, he's just suggesting that if we have the basic necessities of life, what more do we need? How much more food and clothing can we buy with $68 million? Well, with inflation lately, it's a little bit different. The group groceries have gone up just a tad. Went to buy some hamburgers the other day. What the hamburgers I normally buy have gone up 50% in the last three years. Crazy. Then Paul says this, But those who want to be rich fall into temptation. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Again, Paul's not wrong here. 
The love and pursuit of money has been a problem for a very long time. And lives and relationships have been ruined by it. People in their pursuit for riches have done harmful things, painful things, in order to achieve it. And have made bad life choices. And it traps people into this mindset that anything can and must be sacrificed for money, for more riches, more money. One night I was waiting to pay for my gas at the gas station. I didn't think it would take very long. Normally I pay at the pump, but it popped in this time. And it wasn't very busy. There's one person ahead of me. And it was taking a long time. And I realized that this person wasn't paying for gas. They were checking their tickets and buying their next round. Which normally, again, wouldn't take long, but they had a wad, a thick wad of tickets in their hand. There had to be dozens in there. And they're buying their next dozens for the next draw. There's a lot, a lot of tickets. And judging by the way the person was dressed and carrying themselves, I know I'm stereotyping a bit, but when you see someone in that state, you realize they don't have much. Now, I've only realized of late, when I was thinking about that $68 million, the tickets aren't a dollar anymore. They're like 3 to $5 or more. And how many do they buy a week, though? Is that $50 for the week that they would have spent? If you're buying that many tickets? Or are they buying it multiple times a week? I mean, there are draws almost every night now. I've looked into it a little bit. So I wonder just how much this person spends on lottery tickets on a weekly basis. And do they understand how just incredibly st- how the odds are just so incredibly stacked against them? Especially when they appear, it appears they can't afford it. Now I realize that there's more than just this person doing it. And there are people, I mean, and there are people who just buy the odd ticket here and there. And it's pretty harmless, right? You're in the stores, yeah, give me a ticket. But there are people who go out there and spend a lot of money on tickets with a faint hope that just one of them will lift them out of their life of poverty and into a better life. Now, if I had bought that one ticket for $68 million, three bucks, I wouldn't notice anything. There's no impact on my life. Most of us, if we dropped a couple of dollars a couple of times a year, you wouldn't notice. It's kind of a fun thing. You know, you, you drop it and say, if I win, I'm going to do this. Right? It's harmless fun for the most part. But if I go out and spend $50 a week on tickets, Bev's going to have a hard look at me. (laughs) And to say that these tickets are a way out, that's what I believe to be harmless. Harmful. Unhealthy. Or as like Paul says, in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Money is not the answer. Millions of dollars is not the answer. Sure, it might help us get a bit more of a comfortable life. Sure, we may not have to stress about how to pay the bills. But is it really better? Is it better to be completely self-dependent? Is it better to be basically isolated? No. And in in matters of our relationship with God, it's, it's disastrous. We need to be in relationship with God. In our reading today, Paul says, shun all this. Shun the pursuit of earthly riches. Shun the accumulation of things we don't need. Paul says, instead of those things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, 
love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. When I read this, my mind went directly to Galatians 5, where Paul writes there. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things, Paul says. Paul sees the church as a living community where people love and serve one another equally. Where together they pool their resources in order to live out God's mission. To make Christ known both near and far. And to share in the love that accompanies, accompanies such a community and such a relationship with God. For Paul, that's what it means to be rich. It's not about the bank account. It'd be more about your faith account. Storing up spiritual riches for our eternal reward as opposed to accumulating material things that we just end up leaving behind. Kind of echoes what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. He said, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Earthly treasures, they're just for a moment. They last the equivalent of a blink of an eye when you hold them up in contrast to the heavenly riches we find in Jesus, which lasts for all eternity. Now for Paul to say these things must mean that Timothy has been struggling with dealing with rich people in his community and church. Because Paul tells them, as for those in the present age, as for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Paul understands that God knows what we need. It makes sense because God created us. He designed us. He made us. God knows us better than we know ourselves. The pursuit of earthly riches is the pursuit of a, re of a replacement for God. And I can tell you whether you have $175 billion or $175, there's nothing on this planet that you can buy that will replace God. Our souls just longs for a connection with our Creator, our Heavenly Father. This longing requires our attention. It needs our attention. We need to fill this void with the only thing that can fill it, that being God's presence. We need to let God in and fill the emptiness that we feel. Anything else we try to put in there is like a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't fit. I know because I've been there. Back 20 years ago, geez, almost 25 years ago now, wow. I used to work 12 hours a day, every day. Did I have to? No, I just did. Why? For what? So I could go home exhausted and look at the stuff I bought? So I could spend less time with my wife? I was seeking to fill that void I was feeling with things by working and buying Things that I thought would make my life better, happier, but it didn't work. 
It wasn't until I met Jesus that I found what I truly was looking for, what I was longing for. I found out I was longing for a relationship with my Creator, my God. He filled my hole, my void. He filled what was missing in my life. And when we look at the, go back to Paul again, we read his final words about the rich people again. They are to do good, to, do, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of life, of the life that really is life. Even if you're wealthy, don't see yourself better than anyone else. Paul says, if you really want to be rich, then do good works. Serve others. Be generous. Share what you have. By doing so, you're building a strong foundation for the future, he tells us. A future in the presence of God for all eternity. I like how at the end of that reading, Paul's translated by saying, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Life with God truly is a better life. Now one thing I want you to realize today, especially since we're talking about good things, sharing what we have, I want you to realize that getting to heaven is not about good works. It's not about ticking off items off a list to please God. It's about faith. It's about trusting God. And living a faithful and trusting life means following in the footsteps of Jesus. We live as a child of God. If we follow Jesus, then we are genuinely, automatically going to do good things. Because that's where our heart, that's where God leads us. The first step, though, is faith. We have to choose to believe in God and be in relationship with Him through Jesus, His Son. From there, God helps us in our relationship with the world around us. And He helps us understand how we are to use the gifts, the skills, and yes, even our money to help those and the world around us learn of him and his love for all of us, just as he loves us. So where is your treasure? What are you spending your time? Are you, are you building up your earthly treasures with things you can't take with you? Are you seeking God and the eternal life he gives? May we, like Paul, encourage us, Timothy, to teach the others. May we store up for ourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that we may take hold of the life that really is life. That life being life in Jesus Christ, who shows us the way to God and shows us the love that he gives and that we may receive for all eternity the life that really is life. Amen. Let us sing together, my faith looks up to thee.
us join our hearts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we live in seemingly a challenging time. A time when the, the world is just, it's hard for us to recognize at times. Because we look at a world that is full of greed, it is full of anger, full of violence. So we come humbly before you, O God. We come humbly because we're so thankful for the things we have. You have blessed us with so much. That we have homes and warmth and health and love and family and friends. Lord, we just thank you for all these things, for food on our tables, for the time of fellowship that we share here, both before in the hall and here together as a community. But Lord, we do have our concerns. We have concerns for things that are beyond our control, it seems, so many times. And so we offer them before you, asking you to to take care of these things we name before you today. Things like peace in this world. Things like an end to gun violence. Things like an end to disease and sickness. Like COVID and cancer. Things like poverty and homelessness and hunger. We see these things affect so many people. And it's just heartbreaking to even turn on the news some nights. I think of my friends in Dallas who said on Facebook last night, I'm safe after another shooting at a mall not far from where he lives. Lord, we just, we just come with open hands and open hearts to receive that which you would give us. And Lord, may you bless us even more with love, with gifts, with skills, with compassion, with trust, so that we can serve others who are in need. Sure, some of the concerns we may have are on a, on a global scale, things well beyond our control, but there are also things that concern us much closer to home. And so, Lord, we ask that you would guide us into how we can best serve in your name to those who are closest to us. Whether that be like food banks or schools or neighbors or family. 
Lord, as we as we gather in prayer, we just just we just sometimes don't know where to start. And so we just kind of breathe that sigh and just give it all to you. And Lord, as we pray today, we're just going to take a moment to, to lift you the prayers of our hearts. And if you wish to speak them aloud, you may do so. So that we can pray together for the needs of our community and for the needs of this world. Lord, these prayers that are for you, are for our friends, for our neighbors, for our loved ones, for, for this world. Things we care about. Things we want to clean up in this world for our children and our grandchildren. And so, Lord, we lift these prayers to you humbly, trusting that you have a plan. Trusting that you will act in your own way, in your own time. Maybe even using your church to do these things. Maybe using us as individuals to achieve these goals. And so Lord, may you speak to our hearts. May you speak to our churches. May you speak to our government leaders. May you speak to this world that your love is here, that your love is to be shared, your love is to be received. Lord, help us to love as Jesus loves us, as you love us, and as we lift all these prayers to you in his name, as we say together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As we respond to the love God has given us, the blessings he has shared with us, we share this with our church so that we may love and bless others. Our offering will now be received.
us pray. Lord, you have blessed us abundantly with your love. In our appreciation of the gifts you give, we respond by offering all we have in the name of our risen Savior. Amen. A closing hymn is Immortal, Invisible, God Only One. Friends, let us go from this place in the light of Christ, who has come to show us the way, to help us to be disciples of him, and to be disciples and children of our God, who loves us more than anything or anyone we could ever imagine. So let's go to love and serve God, to love and serve our neighbor in his name. Let's go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>